0: Welcome back to Social Soul Podcast. My name is Jess.
1: And I'm Haley. And on today's episode, we are bringing on a special guest. This is somebody that I have connected with through social media simply because of shared experiences through giving up alcohol. So today we're going to talk to her all about giving up drinking, blacking out, and everything that kind of comes with that.
0: All right. Let's dive in and introduce her.
1: All right, you guys, today on the podcast, we have one of my friends here with us, Kristen LeBac. And Kristen is a former social drinker who stopped drinking back in May 2016 after she kind of realized alcohol was doing more harm than favors in her life. And now she's kind of on a mission to help other sober, curious women see that there is more to life to be enjoyed and remembered without alcohol Welcome to the podcast, Kristen. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and where you're at in your life right now? Yes. Yeah, so first, thank you so much for
2: having me on your podcast. Such a pleasure to be here. Uh, so my name is Kristen. I, uh, if you want my specs, I'm 30, almost six, um, currently living in Massachusetts, and I have been boozeless for almost five years. I cannot believe it's been five years. Um my life right now is literally a 360 times five to what I was living five years ago. Um, when I was drinking, I was, I like to say, living a very unconscious life. It was pretty much just living within the matrix of society, just doing whatever and whatever uh, my friends were doing. And I was really not living a life for myself. I... I always tell people the biggest pattern that I saw while drinking was getting into toxic relationship after toxic relationship. And the last toxic relationship turned into a marriage. And on my uh, one-year wedding anniversary was the day of my last drink. And I knew that there was something majorly wrong in my life. And I felt that just a step away from alcohol would give me some clarity. So within those 30 days, my husband and I at the time we separated and decided that we were uh, most likely going to proceed with a full on, you know, separation and divorce. So yeah, it was just, honestly, it was crazy. Now that I think back and I look back, I'm like, how did I do that? And with all of the chaos going on, like, you know, quit booze for my intent was 30 days. Um, mm-hmm. And then once everything, once everything kind of came to a head and I realized what was going on in my personal life and like the, the road that was ahead of me, I said, okay, Kristen, you have to stay like sober as long as possible. And it was really hard for me to identify with that word sober in the beginning, but I had to identify with it because I knew that if I went back to my old ways of, of drinking and Causing the problems that I had in my life. It was just, it wasn't good. I wasn't going to be living a new life. So that's yeah. the long and short of my story.
1: Yeah. Well, I love that you said that when you were drinking, you were kind of living a life that was for everybody else and just kind of based on these like societal norms that we have and just kind of like what you were used to. And that's such a hard thing to break free from. But I'm kind of curious. So you mentioned like on your one year wedding anniversary is when things kind of came to a head for you. Can you tell us like a little bit more, more about what that experience was like, why that led you to kind of changing your relationship with alcohol? I know you mentioned you started with a 30 day break, which I think is incredible, but I'm kind of curious like what it was, like the feelings that you were having, what emotions you were experiencing that led you to kind of make that decision for yourself? So I've always,
2: I guess always in my adult life, struggled with intermittent depression and anxiety. And, you know, over the years, I've kind of noticed that when I would drink, my anxiety and my depression would get worse. Mm
1: -hmm. And I would
2: get to this in stressful situations, I would get to this point where I was almost like receding back to like childish behaviors. Like I felt like I couldn't take care of myself. I felt like unsafe and just very irrational kind of thoughts. Yeah. And I started to notice, um, you know, without getting too personal, I just started to notice that there were things happening in my relationship that I knew, like just woman's instinct, I knew that were just not, they weren't healthy things. And it was nothing that he was doing. It was basically I was basically the like the bad seed, if you will. Um, Yeah. Because I knew I needed to kind of like, take care of my mental health. But I didn't even know what that looked like back then. You know, you hear it it, when you're drinking, and you're just kind of like, oh, you go through a breakup. So you go out and you get drunk and, and work sucks. So you go and you have a happy hour with people and you get wasted. And then you do it on Friday again, like, I just could see the pattern. And I knew that I was the one causing the problems because I was not dealing with my own internal stuff.
1: Yeah, that's really relatable. I mean, I had some similar experiences in my relationship too, where it was like when I was drinking, like I would get insecure or like that kind of thing would come up and it would cause arguments in my relationship and it just... Alcohol and like my relationship were never a great combination. And I think that that's actually something that will be really relatable to people kind of listening in. So, and I also, Oh wait, go ahead. Um, Just to add on to that, like, you know, I stopped
2: drinking um, kind of at the end of my marriage, but the the drama, if you will, didn't necessarily stop there. I did obviously stop drinking, but after I separated from my husband, I ended up getting back together kind of sort of with my ex prior to him, who was also toxic. So it was very interesting to, to be sober and relive that relationship that I had, you know, gone through before with a brand new eye. So it's, it's just interesting to have gone through a few different relationships. Um, one, being the problem, but two, being the sober person and being able to see exactly maybe what I had been bringing to the table through yeah. the lens of, of this other individual.
0: Yeah. That is so interesting. I feel like I could definitely see that for myself, like looking at my past relationships and like how much different I was during them mm-hmm. for sure, I am now and like how back then I definitely, you know, blamed everything on the other person and didn't really like Realized that I had to look at myself as part of the problem. And looking back, you know, now that I'm in a whole different place, I'm like, "Oh shit, yeah, I definitely was part of the problem." <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> it was honestly a very, as much as I don't, I don't want to have to go through that pain ever again. It was a very healing um, moment. I, I, I felt like I really got to look at myself and come to the conclusion and finally realize, like, you know what, I was a huge part of the problem in that marriage. So I guess I needed to go through that, you know, that rebound relationship all over again to finally like face myself, if you will, in the mirror and be like, yep, you had, it solidified. You were part of the the problem, my friend.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like confronting that and then just being willing to move forward and make progress with it. Yep. And after that relationship healed and I, you know, I feel like I finally
2: closed the door to that stuff that had gone on in the past. I was finally free if you will and I, I met like the most perfect person who I, I truly feel is like my person. So all good yes. things.
1: Yeah I love that you're in a new relationship now too. And does your current relationship like your does your boyfriend drink still? Um yes, but
2: it's it's more of a no. I've never seen him drunk. Um we've been together for over two years now I've never seen him drunk. He's now on the alcohol-free like beer train because he likes the taste of it but Mm -hmm. I mean from dating me now he doesn't he's not allowed to drink that's not it at all but (laughs) he just doesn't choose to I mean you know that's just kind of not in his wheelhouse anymore and he did go out a couple months ago and just have a few drinks and woke up the next morning and felt terrible and Mm -hmm. didn't have a productive day at work and you know going a long time without it and then having it, it it's like a slap in the face so he um he's like yeah I think I'm gonna be on this boozeless beer train so he's on I that now so he really doesn't drink yeah
0: I feel like I liked what you said earlier about like how um you were kind of using like your drinking back in the day to deal with like your anxiety and depression and you realized it's only making it worse mm-hmm. but I feel like society definitely tells you that that's what you're supposed to do to mm-hmm. deal with your anxiety and your depression you know just like how you mentioned. You know, oh, you had a stressful day at work. Like, go have happy hour with your friends and get cheap cocktails. And it's interesting when you're talking about like your, um, is it boyfriend? Is just, yeah? You're yeah. now boyfriend, and yeah. how like he doesn't he does, but he doesn't really drink. And it's like it's so much easier to not drink when the people around you don't drink. Yeah. But like, I know for myself, like I've been in a relationship where my significant other has you know, like drank a lot or like done drugs. And I mm-hmm. do it more often because I'm with that person and they're doing it. Whereas like nowadays, like my boyfriend now, he barely drinks too. And so it's easy for me to barely drink. It's yeah. just interesting to think about.
1: You kind of match those people that you're around.
0: Yeah. And you just bit. wish that there was more people like you two out there so <laughs> that
1: <laughs> you don't have to. Yeah. Um, it- Yeah, I actually I got a message from somebody today who told me that she normally drinks to deal with her anxiety. And that is such a common misconception that we have. You know, you don't really realize that it's not helping until you get to a point where you feel like you can't manage the stress and the anxiety, even if you are coping with alcohol. So I just think that that's a very interesting perspective. I kind of wanted to talk to you about Blacking out because you've mentioned before that people used to call you Kristen the Blackout. And part of me thinks that that's like absolutely hilarious. But then I also know the struggle that is blacking out. Um, So, was that something that was like normal for you? It was
2: normal. And it was unfortunately, embarrassingly, the goal of every time I would drink because I was thinking about this today. nothing safely nothing bad ever really happened when i blacked out so for me it was really entertaining i guess or in fun to piece together the night or the day after like on sunday morning or on saturday morning so the goal was always yes to black out and because my last name is LeBac, it was just very easy to call me leblackout
1: yeah It's funny because for me, it was like a different experience. Like I never had the intention going out that I wanted to black out, but it was something that was so easy for me to do. And looking back, I can kind of see like why it was so easy for me to black out. Like I would always smoke when I was drinking and like that increases your risk for blackouts and stuff like that.
0: Chug caffeine too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would literally have caffeine every time before I went out. So I'd get drunk really fast. Um, But I just like never felt good about it the next day. And I actually, I never had fun trying to piece together the things. I always just felt like total shit about myself. Like Jessica would have to tell me like, Oh, this happened, or you did this, or you almost peed in the closet at the hotel, like things like that. And I never, never felt good about it. So it's interesting that you kind of have a different perspective on that.
2: Well, I mean, it was fun when it was fun in college, right? I mean, yeah, I guess it's the time. But as I, as my drinking progressed, as my, you know, life stress, adult stress increased, Um, It was no longer really funny. And that's that's kind of what I was referring to about, like doing things that I like regret in my relationship and just not being the most like the nicest person or the kindest person. Um, Yeah. You know, without getting really personal, those those blackouts later on, years down the line after college were really what made me evaluate my relationship with alcohol and how I was just dealing with stress and unhappy times in my life.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Thank you for sharing that. I kind of want to talk about like the social aspect of giving up alcohol too, because I know that this is something that holds a lot of people back. You know, it's like you think, like I've got a wedding coming up or I have this birthday party or I have this celebration. Like there's all of these kind of social things where we're so accustomed to drinking. And I know that that's just a huge challenge that held me back in the beginning and that a lot of people struggle with too. Um, So I'm kind of curious what your experience was like when you gave up alcohol when it came to socializing and maintaining your friendships. So my experience is probably very different
2: from a lot of people's because when I decided to stop drinking was pretty much the same time that my husband and I decided to split and we had only been together for a year. So Mm -hmm. I was a very social person, I had kind of just stopped bartending. So I recently had just left like the, the bar restaurant scene, like going out after work and your shift and having a drink and just kind of being around partiers all the time. So pairing the I'm giving up alcohol for 30 days with Oh my gosh, I'm so freaking embarrassed. I'm separated from my husband of only a year. I basically went underground and didn't do anything normal that. Can you still hear me? Yep. Oh, I'm sorry. My computer, yep. my computer died. It's okay. <laughs> um, I just stopped doing anything normal that I would have done prior to. So. If you know it was summertime when I stopped drinking, so Fourth of July parties, uh, Memorial Day parties, I went to nothing because number one, I didn't want to show up by myself, but number mm-hmm. two, I didn't want to show up by myself. And oh my gosh, Kristen's not drinking. Like what in the heck and Bob's going on? Yep. So for me, in the very beginning, I hibernated. I had to withdraw because again, I had a lot of. I just had a lot of stuff to unpack and to go through. And I didn't even realize how much I had to go through. So it was almost, it was kind of accidental. I just, I just withdrew for the summer. But after I kind of like, you know, came out of my hiding period, if you will, the first real social thing I did was actually go on an earned um, tropical vacation for my job. And I just owned it. I literally just owned the fact that I was not drinking, I was going to kind of step into that extroverted role that I had always taken when I was drinking and I had a really, really good time. So just identifying with the fact that I didn't drink for me was all the gas in the tank that I needed to kind of stay successful and to still, after I came out of my hibernation, show up in the social scene, if you will.
0: Kristen, I have a question for you. Um, how long were you doing your business before you stopped drinking or was that something you started around the same time?
2: Um, I, so about eight months, I started my business in August and I got, yeah, I got sober in May. So. Okay. I don't know how many months that is, but you know, it was a fitness business. So in the beginning, as I was still kind of going out and drinking on Fridays and Saturdays, I would wake up and want to stay committed to my workout program, but feel so crappy. So my drinking did kind of slow down on the weekends, um, like six months prior to me stopping drinking. But when I did drink, it was it was those those kind of like violent tantrums, if you will, paired with a good old blackout.
0: isn't it crazy to think like how much you had going on in a span of a year though it's it's now now I uh, you know people say oh gosh I want to go back in time
2: and hug my child self no I want to go back and hug myself from 2015 and 2016 because that was like the devil was like literally raging inside of me just telling me you are not living the life you are supposed to be living get out just get out and I had to hit that own rock bottom to like literally see that I was on the wrong path.
1: Yeah. God, I
0: feel that so hard.
1: I know. We were both like, yes. Like if we could go back and just give ourselves a hug, like in 2014, like I totally agree with that. I often like think about like what I would tell myself, like before I stopped drinking, like the girl that I was when I was like 21, 22, 23, Uh 24. And honestly, like I mean, granted, I learned from every single one of those mistakes and like ultimately I'm here now, but I just wish that I had had the confidence and had the knowledge that I have now back then because I could have avoided so much of this, you know? Me too. But then I also think like if I never went
2: through all of that, if I never had the guts, to just say like, I'm going to stop drinking for 30 days and truly see like what the problem was, like, I wouldn't be here. Yeah, Oh, you know, I wouldn't be able to be the 30 something year old I am and reach back and down to the 20 year olds that I know, and that follow me and that I talk to all day on social media. Like, I know that I'm living my purpose, at least for this, you know, chapter of my life. So I'm thankful exactly. for I'm thankful for all the blackouts. I'm thankful for my arrest. I'm thankful for our, literally all the crap because it's honestly it's bi- it's built what we're all doing right now, right? Is just sharing our lives authentically yeah. and
1: openly. Are you so you just mentioned getting arrested. Is that something you're comfortable sharing about? Oh yeah, I mean you could just google me. So it's there. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to go deep in the abyss.
2: So, um my first weekend back at college, sophomore year. Um, now, let me just put it up. I was not drinking heavy back then. I was not super into partying, not into drugs at all, like the occasional like high school party or whatever, sneak a beer, sneak a wine cooler. I was not like a super partier. But I went to this quote, party. Um, it was a dry campus, so there was absolutely no alcohol. Even if you were 21, I wasn't. But they had very strict rules. So I went to this quote, party aka a gathering of like four people in a dorm room <laughs> was offered a few substances that I accepted come to find out those those substances were prescribed to somebody that got through some to somebody else they went missing they knew we were in the building I'm an I'm honest I straight up told them that I did it and I was arrested and I was put uh-huh. on oh it was you want to talk about trauma, that, that was something I had to heal too, because I identified with that arrest and those charges on my record that would come up when I was, you no, know, I was going to school to be a teacher back in the day. Yeah. So that was a mess in of itself, but it was good. Kept my nose clean for the next, you know, however, however long now, 19 years. Yeah. Um,
1: it's funny. Cause I remember I used to say like, I used to think that it would be like a funny story to get arrested like when I was drinking like I don't know why I thought this would be funny I don't know if you remember this
0: Jessica I never once thought that I did not know that
1: you thought this (laughs) oh my god I swear I just thought it would be like the funniest thing and now looking back I'm just like why the hell would I have ever wanted something like that for myself I don't know
0: um, if I would have known she was trying to get arrested every time we, not, we went out, I would have definitely not let her drink that much. Yeah, I swear. You would have to the house.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I was thinking. My priorities were obviously, like, way out of whack.
2: Oh, but- my priorities were. I didn't have priorities. Anything that yeah. would give me attention. I was like, yes, okay, let's go. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Embarrassing. No, you,
1: you kind of mentioned, like, being – when you stopped drinking and like you started going out socializing that you decided you were just going to embrace that, that extroverted side of you. Are you more of an extroverted person or do you feel like you're a little bit more introverted?
2: I think that when I am comfortable, I know, I don't know, like a comedian, like I know my crowd, if you will, and I'm comfortable, then I'm super extroverted. Um, If I don't know my crowd, or it's new to me. I I do seem very introverted. I'm quiet. I'm like a sponge. I'm kind of taking it all in. I'm reading people. But when I'm in my environment, I am the life of the party. No one would know I wasn't drinking.
0: Yep. Yeah. Isn't that called like just an extroverted introvert? Like you can kind of really do know. you're kind of both, right? I, don't know I think I was... there's a word for it. Because like for me, I still get nervous like around Haley, and I've been best friends with her forever. And I'm like, I'm so introverted. I hate it. <laughs>
2: You know, I've taken all of the personality tests, and every time I take them, it says that I'm an extrovert.
1: Yeah, I definitely get that vibe. Just from, like, following you on social media, like, some of the stuff that you post, like, I could totally see you being the life of the party. I
0: can see it, too.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I'm jealous because I want a little bit of that.
2: <laughs> it's just, it's goofiness. I, I don't think I could ever just come on, on social media and be, like, very clean, polished, and professional.
0: We appreciate that.
2: Well, thanks. But I feel like, I don't know, another topic for another day, but I just feel like, you know, could be a little bit more professional, especially just with my age. Maybe I just let my age get in my way. I feel like I should be something else at almost
1: 36. I think you're absolutely perfect the way that you are. I don't
0: see any issues either.
1: My mom (laughs) would say the same. (laughs) Um, I also, I kind of wanted to ask, like, what, besides socializing, like, what other challenges did you face when you first decided to change your relationship with alcohol? Like, was there anything that came up, anything in particular that you remember struggling with? Um, yeah. Okay.
2: Yep. So, like I said in the beginning, the pattern that I always... um kind of got into was toxic relationships, right? Like one after the other, other after the other. Okay. So I'm sober, separated from my husband. We're going through our divorce. I meet somebody. Well, this person, now I date them for three or four months. Okay. Very casually. Somebody I knew from my, from my past, but had lost touch with, had no idea what this person was doing with his life. No idea. Well, come to find out, he had a very serious drug problem. And I didn't realize this until um, I had money stolen and my address was being used for certain things. Now, here I am. I'm literally almost a year sober at this point, And I'm looking at this relationship saying, look what I attracted again. Yeah. So for me, the socializing was difficult but it was also like I said these relationships it's like they kept popping up as a test Mm -hmm. and I'm proud to say I passed them it was hard again it it was just that's my story I guess these toxic kind of men coming through right and I'm either trying to fix them or I'm falling to what they're they're doing their actions their behaviors their extracurricular activities that's huge though Oh, like, she, it's huge because yeah. it's done. It's done. I'm so aware of it. I see it. It's snipped. It's like I it's stopped amazing. that generational stuff because I'm sure it's got to come from somewhere, right?
0: Yeah, I, it's so hard. Forward, like, oh, sorry. I feel like it's so many people uh, deal with that same thing. Like, or even like tell their friends, like, "Oh, I always date toxic men," or like, "Oh, why do I always choose such bad people?" but they'd never like do anything about it or they never like figure it out enough to actually make a change. So the fact that you did is really inspiring.
2: Well, thanks. It's um, I wish more people would just pull back the layers of the onion and look at their own shit mm-hmm. get real with themselves because that's just, that's where the magic is. When you can figure out the pattern, it's, it's life changing. And you know, a lot of people joke about, especially women, daddy issues. But like, that's really something that you that people I think need to go to a therapist and unpack because it's just going to keep showing up in other relationships.
1: Yeah. Is that something that you did? Did you go to therapy? I did not go to therapy, but I
2: did heal my I'm not sure of the word, but estranged. That's the word. I did heal my estranged relationship with my dad um, before my one year sober um, anniversary, which was huge for me because we hadn't talked in almost 10 years.
0: Yeah. And you did that on top of everything else you've already talked about. Like there's another (laughs) thing to add to what was going on in your life. That's, oh my gosh. That is honestly, that's my biggest accomplishment right there.
2: Healing that relationship that I can truthfully say was the initial kind of spark for all other crappy relationships with men. I'm so glad I healed that because as soon as I did, that's when this healed individual that I'm dating that I love so much showed up.
1: Yeah. I love so much about what you're saying too, because I think that it really shows like how you took radical responsibility for your life and you were like, just willing to make those changes to get you to the point that you want to be right. And I just think that that's something that can, can be super inspiring to other people and I'm kind of curious to maybe what advice you might give to somebody who who is kind of where you were back in 2016, like in a toxic relationship, ready to kind of change your relationship with alcohol. Like what advice would you give to somebody or to yourself back then? Oh, so much I could say.
2: But first, you have to identify, you have to become who you want to be before you are that person. Like you have to identify with that person, start acting like that person and then watch the ripple turn, you know, ripple out into the outcomes in the relationships in your life. So the first thing is just identifying. The second thing is facing your own shit. I don't know if it's with a therapist, if you need to go through the 12 steps if you need to just talk to people in your family, what, however it is, you need to get real with yourself because the only person that is ever going to save you is you. We are all responsible for our own stuff. And until we pick up our own bags and unpack them ourselves, nobody's going to do it for us. No one's going to put the socks away. No one's going to put the pants away. We have to do it
1: absolutely that's really powerful
2: so owning your crap and then becoming who you want to be before that timeline aligns that's like the biggest thing and you just put your head down your blinders on and you go you don't let the noise of whatever social media your friends your family your past you don't let anything bother you you it's so hard to say it's probably the worst advice ever but you (laughs) really put your head down and you grind well you I mean don't let anyone just F up your S, you know? Yeah,
1: that, that really is the reality of the situation is is you're the one that's in control of making this change. And it's like once you acknowledge it, it's kind of like you have to put your head down. And it's like there is gonna be the outside noise. There's gonna be the people who don't understand, who have something to say, who maybe are judging what you're doing, but ultimately it's you have to think about that end goal, right? And you have to know the person that you want to become and keep that person in mind as you work on creating that life for yourself. So I absolutely love that advice.
0: Honestly, you have to also remember that the people judging you for doing the shit that you need to do for yourself are just scared of the fact that they're not doing their own shit for themselves Mm -hmm. and they're (laughs) literally just projecting their issues at you because they see you changing your life around and doing all these great things. That's one thing I have to remind myself every day. And uh, to piggyback on that, we all have to realize we've been
2: that person before yep. ourselves. Yeah. And when we can admit that we've been a shitty friend, a poor partner, uh, a terrible employee, when our vibe, when we can admit that we've done wrong and say sorry, that's huge because we're not perfect. We cannot always just project and say, "Oh well, he was crappy to me in that relationship," and my boss was just so mean to me at work. That's, that's, that's great. But we are responsible for our response.
1: Yep. Absolutely.
2: And so that's my tough love. We all just have to be responsible for our own shit.
1: Yeah. We always say like showcase the shit. That's Mm -hmm. kind of like our motto. And I love that you do that and that you're willing to share like this, like all of these pieces of your story so openly because that is something that's going to help make an impact for somebody else. Um, So I just kind of want to start to wrap this up too. If you could maybe let our listeners know where they can find you and connect with you.
2: Well, you can find me on Instagram at Boozless, B-O-O-Z-E-L-E-S-S. You can find me on Facebook, Kristen LeBacke, um, that's about it. You're on clubhouse too. Yeah. Oh, I'm on clubhouse. I'm on clubhouse. Yes. the <laughs> on
1: clubhouse. Sorry. All these handles. I forget. Yes.
0: Uh, so many Mary different places. Know. <laughs> you
1: know. Um, And you guys, Kristen and I, we actually did put together like a beginner's guide to putting the party on pause. So I'm going to link that in the show notes too, just to kind of give you guys some alternatives and some tips for sleeping, alcohol-free drinks, books to read, that kind of thing. Um, Because we understand what a challenge it is to make this change. And we obviously want to help you feel supported if you're looking to give up alcohol or just reevaluate your relationship with it. So I'm going to link that in the show notes. But thank you so much for being on with us today, Kristen. This was amazing. So many good takeaways from this episode.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, Kristen. It was fun for me to get to know you a little bit better because obviously, I follow you on Instagram and I hear some stuff from Haley obviously, but I didn't really like know a lot of the things that you shared about that were, you know, super personal to your story. So, thank you so much for letting me be a part in listening to this today, too. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been super fun.